The year was 1531. The mighty Aztec Empire centered in what is now Mexico City had fallen to the Spanish ten years earlier. The Spanish had sought to win land and gold for the crown and souls for the Catholic Church. The Spanish missionaries didn't exactly evangelize delicately. They destroyed Aztec temples and idols and even kidnapped children to indoctrinate them. In 1531, a miracle occurred that completely changed the course of history and resulted in the mass conversion of the Aztecs to Christianity. Hi, this is Justin Hibbert, and you're listening to Why Catholic, my podcast about the what and why of Catholicism. Every month, I do a special episode where I highlight a particular feast day, whether it's in commemoration of a saint or an event, being that it's December 12th. Today's episode focuses on the patroness of the Americas, Our Lady of Guadalupe. The story begins on December 9th, 1531, with a 57-year-old peasant from the Chichimeca people. Seven years earlier, this peasant was baptized by a Franciscan friar and given the name Juan Diego. As Juan was on his way to Mass on December 9th, he saw a glowing figure on top of Tepeyac Hill. She identified herself as the Virgin Mary and instructed Juan to build a shrine for her there, where she would show her love and compassion to all those who believed. Juan Diego went to see Juan de Zumarga, who was Archbishop of what is now Mexico City. With tensions between the Spanish and the Aztec brewing, the Archbishop had been petitioning the Virgin Mary for peace. As a sign that his prayers for peace would be answered, he asked to receive roses from his native home of Castile, Spain. When Juan Diego approached the Archbishop with the story of Mary's apparition, the Archbishop was skeptical, but he instructed Juan to go and ask the Virgin Mary for a sign. Juan then returned to Tepeyac Hill and asked the Virgin Mary for a sign so he could show it to the Archbishop, and Mary instructed him to return the next day, December 11th, and she would provide proof. However, that night, Juan Diego's uncle became deathly ill, keeping him from returning as the Virgin Mary had requested. On the morning of December 12th, Juan Diego journeyed to a nearby town to find a priest who could come and administer the last rites to his dying uncle. Juan passed by the other side of Tepeyac Hill, afraid that if he ran into the Virgin Mary again, he wouldn't be able to get to a priest before his uncle had passed away. The Virgin Mary once again appeared to Juan Diego. She first assured him that his uncle would not die. Then she told him to go to the top of Tepeyac Hill. There, Juan found an unrecognizable species of flowers blooming out of the frozen December earth. The Virgin Mary appeared to Juan again and told him to pick the flowers and take them to the archbishop. She then helped gather them and placed them in Juan's tilma. A tilma was an indigenous tunic made of agave fibers. Juan Diego returned to the archbishop with flowers gathered in his tilma. When he arrived, he said, The Virgin Mary appeared to me and she gave me these flowers as a sign. When he unfurled the tilma and dropped the flowers to the ground, the archbishop immediately recognized them. Yes, they were Castilian roses, something that would not have grown in Mexico. If that weren't enough of a miracle, he saw that imprinted on Juan's tilma was an image of the Virgin Mary. The image of the Blessed Virgin Mary on the tilma drew millions of Aztecs not just to see the miraculous tunic, but to turn to Christianity. Why? Well, when the Spaniards tried to evangelize, they did so by destroying the Aztecs' religion. They used blunt force to say, your religion is wrong and ours is right, get rid of your religion and convert to Christianity. 
But the image on the tilma did not ignore the Aztec religion, but rather used Aztec symbols to steer them towards Christianity. I might liken it to how the 10 plagues in Egypt correspond to Egyptian gods or how Christianity uses Jewish types like Adam, Eve, King David, Melchizedek, the Ark of the Covenant, etc., and orients them towards their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Modern evangelists will tell you that a key element to successful evangelization is to use familiar religious symbols and show how Jesus relates to it, but is greater. This is exactly what the image on the tilma did. For one, the Aztec faith revered a female figure called Kotliku Tonatzin, who was the goddess of fertility of life, both human and agriculture. Here they saw the mother of God, the Virgin Mary, harvesting flowers from the winter earth. And they began to call her Tonatzin, removing the first name Kotliku. Tonatzin means our mother. Kotliku was an idol. Mary was the real Tonatzin, their true mother. Listen to how Father Harold Rahm explained the image and its correlation to Aztec religious symbolism in his book, Am I Not Here? Quote, the Indians saw something in the image of Our Lady that the Spaniards did not comprehend. In that period, the Indians did their writing in hieroglyphics, so to them, the image was a hieroglyphic letter. The fact that the natives read the image is most important in understanding the purpose of Our Lady's apparitions. To the Indians, the image depicted a beautiful lady standing in front of the sun, a sign to them that she was greater than the sun god whom they worshipped. The crescent or the moon beneath her feet showed that the moon god was less than nothing since she was standing on it. The stars they thought so much of were only a part or portion of her mantle. At her throat was a brooch with a small black cross in the center, reminding them that this was the emblem of the Spanish friars, and there was one greater than she." Another crucial aspect about the appearance of the Virgin Mary that aided in evangelization and race relations is the image's skin color. In their book, Our Lady of Guadalupe, Mother of the Civilization of Love, Carl Anderson and Father Eduardo Chavez note that her skin was, quote, neither white like the Spaniards nor dark like the Indians. The Virgin is a mestiza, a combination of the two. In this way, the Virgin reaffirms both in their uniqueness, but at the same time representing an important link between them. She is their mother, end quote. The skin color of the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe invited the Spanish and the Aztecs not to see each other as enemies, but as brothers and sisters. The image played an important role for the Catholic Church in recognizing the personhood of those with darker skin colors. There are so many other remarkable details of the image of the Virgin Mary imprinted on the tunic. And yes, it is imprinted on there. It's not painted as there are no brush strokes. Let me highlight a few other phenomena. Let's start with the eyes. At first glance, it appears as Mary's eyes are closed. However, when you get closer, you can see that they're slightly open as though she's looking down. In 1929, forensic scientists examined the image and discovered a microscopic likeness of a bearded man painted in Mary's eyes, which looks similar to contemporary pictures of Juan Diego. Not only would painting infinitesimally small images be impossible for a human painter, let alone an Aztec peasant, if Juan Diego or a contemporary of his painted those images, they would have done so anticipating later advances in human technology that could detect them. It seems highly implausible. 
Furthermore, a Peruvian ophthalmologist named Jose Aste Tonsman applied 2,500 times magnification to Mary's eyes and was able to identify 13 individuals in both eyes at different proportions, just as human eyes would reflect an image. Many believe that the image corresponds to the people in the room the moment Juan Diego unfurled the tilma. Another theory is that it's possible it was Jesus and the 12 apostles. A handbook on Guadalupe, and I have provided a link in the show notes, details some of the latest scientific findings regarding Mary's eyes. For example, the ophthalmologist Dr. Jorge Escalante Padilla discovered small veins on both of the eyelids of the image. In the 1970s, a Japanese optician who was examining the eyes fainted, and upon recovering, he stated the eyes were alive and looking at him. Let's talk about some of the astronomical depictions in the image. In the image, Mary is clothed with the sun, with the moon at her feet, as described in Revelation 12.1. Mary is standing on a crescent moon, the same crescent moon that was in the sky on the day of her apparition. Mary's mantle is a constellation map, the same constellations that were in the sky as on the day of her apparition. The constellations tell the story of the gospel with the arrangement of Leo the lion in the womb of Virgo the virgin. Some other remarkable details include a topographic map on Our Lady's garment that corresponds to the geographic location of her apparition. On Mary's neck is a small black cross identifying her with the Catholic missionary priests. Over her womb on her dress is a four-petal flower, the Aztec symbol of life and fertility. And speaking of fertility, on May 1st, 2007, after a mass for the unborn, eyewitnesses reported seeing Mary's womb glow in the shape of an embryo. I've linked to an article with comments from the archbishop confirming the reports but cautioning people toward hasty conclusions, as the church has yet to officially rule on it one way or another. If you listen to episode 15 on Eucharistic miracles, you might remember me explaining how the church takes a painstakingly long time to investigate and make an official ruling on reported miracles. Do you hear that music? Another remarkable detail is that the arrangement of flowers corresponds to musical notations. And this was discovered by an accountant and mathematician named Fernando Ojeda. By lining up the flowers to musical notes and putting it into a computer program, he came up with this. Take a listen to this embellished version. I've linked to the full audio clip of this embellished version, as well as the unembellished version in the show notes. One miracle is the tilma itself. The tilma is made of agave fibers, and it's the type of tunic that would fall apart in 10 to 20 years at most. There's no natural explanation for the fact that the tilma has survived for 500 years. And it has survived despite some rather perilous circumstances. In 1795, nitric acid was accidentally spilled on the left side of the image. There's still a small stain visible to the naked eye, but it is a miracle that the tilma wasn't seriously damaged. 
Here's another crazy story. On the morning of November 14, 1921, an employee of the private secretary of the presidency named Luciano Perez Carpio planted a bomb at the foot of the image of the Virgin of Guadalupe. When it detonated, the explosion was heard a half mile away. Bronze candelabras and a crucifix on the altar were mangled. But miraculously, the image of the Virgin of Guadalupe was unscathed. Now, along with these facts, there's lots of myths floating out there about the image of Guadalupe. So in the show notes, I've linked to a site that details which are true and which are not. You may wonder why the image is referred to as Our Lady of Guadalupe. In Catholicism, Our Lady of fill-in-the-blank is used to describe a Marian apparition at a certain location or a Marian-related event or a place dedicated to the Virgin Mary. For example, Our Lady of Fatima refers to Mary's apparitions to three children in Fatima, Portugal, and so the place is dedicated to the Virgin Mary and visited by more than four million tourists each year. As for the name Guadalupe, Juan Diego's sick uncle, Juan Bernardino, said that the Virgin Mary appeared to him and said that she wanted to be called Guadalupe. A few theories suggest that she may not have actually said Guadalupe, but have actually said a Nahuatl word that sounded like Guadalupe. One of the proposed words uh, translates to she whose origins were in the rocky summit. Another translates to she who banishes those who devoured us. And another prospect is the one who crushes the serpent. It would make sense that the Spanish latched on to the name Guadalupe as the shrine to Our Lady of Guadalupe in the town of Guadalupe in West Central Spain was the most important Marian shrine in the medieval kingdom of Castilla. The Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico City is visited by 20 million pilgrims each year, with 9 million of those people alone visiting on December 11th and December 12th. December 12th is the official feast day for Our Lady of Guadalupe. It makes this shrine the most visited Marian shrine in all of the world and the second most visited Catholic church outside of St. Peter's Basilica in Vatican City. 24 popes have officially honored Our Lady of Guadalupe, and Pope John Paul II visited the shrine on four occasions, and in 1999 named December 12th as a liturgical holy day for all of North America. Our Lady of Guadalupe is considered the patroness of the Americas. She's an important image, especially to Mexico, and she is the patroness of the unborn. Also during John Paul II's tenure as Pope, Juan Diego was beatified on May 6, 1990, and canonized on July 31, 2002. On a personal note, I've actually been to the Basilica of Guadalupe and have seen the image for myself. I was there for a school trip to Mexico, and as this was a Protestant Christian school I attended at the time, we really didn't understand the hype. Of course, given our anti-Catholic views and our propensity to downplay Mary's role, we mostly thought of it as idolatry and superstition. But now being on this side of Catholicism, I am amazed at the miraculous. I'm compelled towards this idea that Jesus' mother even today appears and points people to her son. At the time when Protestantism was surging in Europe and tensions were high between the Spanish and the Aztecs, Mary appeared and changed the entire course of history. Protestantism ended up flourishing in the United States while often persecuting the Catholics, and had it not been for the prolific Catholicism in Mexico thanks to Our Lady of Guadalupe, the Catholic Church may have never taken root in the United States. It always seems, just like in the story of the wedding at Cana, Mary is always two steps ahead of everyone else. 
Thanks for tuning in to this special episode of Why Catholic. Why am I Catholic? Because I believe in a miraculous God who continues to use his saints to build his kingdom. If you haven't done so, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and join the Why Catholic community at whycatholic.substack.com slash subscribe. Also follow Why Catholic on Instagram where you'll find a tribute to Our Lady of Guadalupe there. The handle is Why Catholic Podcast, all one word. Until next time, God bless you. My name is Justin Hibbert and this is Why Catholic.